I give my take on Alfred Payton and have the chances gone up for the Hornets to actually land Donovan Mitchell. We'll discuss all of that today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, at Locked On Hornets, where this is the show. The duo was back, and the duo was back to do basically 90% of our preparation through trying to decide what jingles we wanted to play in the third segment. It's important work, you know, I mean, and listen, it's it's not construction work, but it is hard work and it's important work. And I just want to say uh, right off the bat, uh, welcome back, Walker. And then I want to say that if you see my eyes darting around randomly at the room, I've got a I've got a family of gnats. I've got a it's not even a couple of that. I think I've got three or four. It's a nuclear family of gnats. They are attracted to the lighting that I have in here and I'm doing my best with them, but they're distracting me. Have the bees machine actually caused too much radioactive? Uh, what attracts? That's right. Yeah, like a yeah, light, okay. like one of those lights that that attracts flies before murdering them. Um, that is is what the bees machine, which is what we use to randomly select box scores on every Hornets box score. For those not in the know, uh, go to every hornetsboxscore.com, sign up for my Substack. Uh, so that's what we use, and yes, um, I believe that is the cause. It, it's certainly not the two week old fruit cup. Uh, that I left in the the trash can. It's not that. I've ruled that out. Yeah, no, that'll do it. Uh, Just stay safe. Please stay safe. The bees machine can cause a lot of havoc. Let's talk about Alfred Payton some more. (laughs) Hold on, stop. Alfred. Alfred Payton. Well, you did that. You did that because I Mm -hmm. misspelled it on the graphic, Mm -hmm. and you corrected it, and you saw the uh, misspelling on the graphic and corrected me, and now you are dealing with the punishment of that, which is that it got stuck in your mind as Alfred. It's why, it's what I did get for actually trying to proofread (laughs) stuff before we get on here. So Alfred Payton is now who he shall be remembered as. Alfred Payton is uh, in the mix to be a possible backup point guard candidate for the Charlotte Hornets. So as you talked about yesterday, Doug, appreciate you manning the ship by yourself. You did discuss some Alfred Peyton numbers he is in the mix along with Isaiah Thomas and Kimba Walker Alfred probably the least popular among those and yet he might be the most I don't know if he's the most qualified defensively he's the most qualified compared to the other two and I think that's where you have to look at what kind of advantage he's going to bring to this team so my take on that is if you go to Kimba then you're looking for him to resurrect some type of Kimba capabilities that we loved him so a couple of years ago every what 15 games every 10 games like where can you get the lightning in a bottle that was that Kimba Walker every now and then off of the bench Isaiah Thomas kind of same thing caught a hot stretch when he signed with the Hornets as a three-point shooter but we also know the liability he is on the defensive end Alfred his offensive production wasn't great anyway and it completely tanked last year with the Phoenix Suns if you look at his numbers didn't play a whole lot Phoenix didn't want to roll with him that was a really good team and I think that's why they you know because they're not playing guys like Alfred Payton. So they're playing him like 11 minutes a game averaged, I think, three points per game. 
did not have great shooting. You pointed out the fact that he wasn't a great shooter at the rim. He could get there a little bit, but did not finish at the rim. Yet still, this is defensively. Like, this is what we're dealing with. I I probably, be, I probably considering the players we're mentioning now, value the mentorship factor of one Isaiah Thomas, the fact that LaMelo Ball wanted and was very not very vocal but at least put out on twitter that he liked to have isaiah thomas back so maybe that would be the guy i choose but elfred at least long provides some size in the backcourt and can help you on that end of the floor as much as the other two certainly i guess i would be fine with this if you know this idea of bringing in a guard to help some of your perimeter defense issues if if I thought that it would solve the problem, which I don't think it will, the right. problem's going to be solved by LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier committing on that end of the floor and Steve Clifford coming in and giving them a defensive scheme uh, that they can buy into. Uh, that's how the problem's going to be solved. The other problem that I have with a possible Alfred Payton signing is that it sabotages your offense. It doesn't it it's not that he's a liability on offense, it's that he sabotages your offense and Walker offense is what makes this team go. It might improve defensively on the margins because of Steve Clifford and because of some commitments by veteran players on this team. Uh, but it's only going to 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 improve on the margins. This is not going to be a significantly better defensive team next season. Uh so why would you want to make your offense which powers your engine significantly worse and that's what signing Alfred Payton would do look this is the conversation we should be having is they waited way too long they didn't make any moves and now this is what we're dealing with right I mean they the backcourt is not going to be fixed by going after Alfred Payton Isaiah Thomas or Kimba Walker if you want the most amount of firepower possible I think Kimba gives you the best of of that type of capability, but you also have emotional baggage coming with the signing of Kimball Walker. Do you want to go through a second breakup? Is that something you as a Hornets fan are ready for? I don't know. You have to answer that yourself, but I know that a quite a few Hornets fans might not exactly be thrilled with another Hornets, uh, Hornets breakup with him because if Kimba comes in, provides some decent play and then they move on from him, Well, that's just going to anger the fan base. Once again, I absolutely understand why the Hornets wouldn't want to engage in that. But here they are interested because they don't have a whole lot of backcourt depth. It's what kind of turned on the light bulb for me when I was talking with Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We had simplified it so much to who is the backup point guard this year, where in reality, it's like, man, just the overall backcourt depth in general. Like, we're going to have to try to make Cody Martin a two-guard at times again. Kelly Oubre might have to play some more two-guard unless you trade him. And then if you do, do you get a more defensive-minded type of 6'5 guy or under? Like, this is not something that the Hornets are particularly deep at. You have to look at the front court for those type of role players. And the Hornets, the only move they made was to bring Cody Martin back. I think that can be a part of the frustration as to Hornets do something nation. Yeah, short short of a you know a major signing, a major move, a major trade, uh, this team uh, is going to be is going to be worse than they were last season. Vegas has them at thirty six and a half. I know you're you're probably taking the under on that. I guess uh, thirty four. Yeah, before yeah. Vegas came out with a number. Yeah, so if if that's going to be the case, then then I think if you are going to make these fringe signings, I think they need to focus on on fun, on on just putting a great product on the floor. And I think of those three options, Isaiah Thomas. 
uh, Kimba Walker and Alfred Payton. I think Alfred is the least fun of those options. I don't think he significantly makes you better on defense. He's I think that I would be more the least fun. There's yeah, no I think I would that. be more comfortable if God forbid something were to happen to Terry Rozier or or Lamelo Ball. I'd be more comfortable with seeing it or Kemba on the floor again for this team offensively to keep that engine moving and, and at least try to outscore teams every once in a while because you're not going to beat them on the defensive end. The last thing I'll say before we move on is I don't think the Cody Martin conversation has been had enough as far as his backcourt type of play, because remember, that was a part of the appeal when they drafted him out of Nevada was and, and they tried having him handle the basketball. I, I remember Cody playing pretty soon upon being that second round pick and looking shook out there, especially when it came to shooting the basketball, especially when it came to doing anything outside of passing. And then mm -hmm. I think he gained a lot of confidence. I, I think you could see it. If you put on, you know, the first few games of his, of his uh, first year and then put on the last few, you see a very big difference in just his comfort level on the floor. Is that something you want to experiment with again? Or maybe a better question is, is that something you have to experiment with again because of the lack of bodies? It does help you defensively. No doubt about that. Offensively, maybe that's where you worry about some turnovers and then LaMelo, all right, you have to come back in because we desperately need you. Isaiah, all right, we'll just sacrifice defense and then hopefully Isaiah can get hot. I, I do think Cody Martin is something they're going to have to experiment with as far as more time in the backcourt handling the basketball. Well, and that, that experimentation might be just the fact that what you were talking about earlier, the guard depth is so yeah. thin. That experimentation might be forced upon the team uh, if they suffer one or two injuries in the preseason or early in the season. And we're not mentioning James Booknight a lot, who continues to be one of the more fascinating questions. I'll marks mention on this him. Team. I'll mention when I can see him. I just mm -hmm. I haven't been able to. People are like, why don't you talk more about Booknight? Well, where's Booknight been? He's been injured. I can't talk about something I haven't seen. I, I look, talk to Mitch and James Borrego for not playing James Booknight all last season. You know, it's not my fault. I'm sorry. I can't talk about something I haven't seen. Get off my back. These gnats are killing me. <laughs> Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Are the gnats the YouTube commenters or are they the actual gnats in your room? The Hornets. The, no, hornets, the hornets are gnats. killing me. There was something there, and I was trying to figure it out at the beginning of the show. Thank you. We needed to get Hornets. Locked on Hornets. Yeah, we needed to get something worked in there. All right. Um, let's go on to something that is an awful, awful transition. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Well, you're wrong. The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only pull and put yourself into danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. We'll come back with plenty more talk on the Charlotte Hornets coming up next. Lockdown Hornets podcast is locked on Hornets. Well, don't let, hold on. Don't let me end my take on that because that's not what I mean. I don't mean that he shouldn't nope, be in the NBA. No, that's what you meant, and no, it's disrespectful. I mean that. You're Anthony Tolliver. I'm Trevion Graham. That's who I love. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, we have the spinning wheel of random topics coming up in the third segment. What do we have planned here in the second as I'm still trying to shake the bad transition into a very serious read going into the second segment? Uh, well, it's something that popped up. Uh, we're recording this late on Tuesday, and I'm oh, glad we're right. recording late today because this is something that popped up very recently. Woj reporting that the 
the New York Knicks are going to sign RJ Barrett to an extension. And if you haven't been these stupid Nats, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, all of this uh, drama around the Knicks and the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, a lot of the talks between the two teams seem to hinge around R.J. Barrett. Do the Would the Jazz be interested in taking back Barrett, maybe for less picks? Or do, are they not interested in R.J. Barrett, but maybe the Knicks were interested in getting rid of R.J. Barrett and not giving up so many picks? Well, the Knicks took R.J. Barrett completely off the table by extending him, and now the question is, Walker, does this effectively end the talks between Utah and New York and could the Jazz re-engage teams like the Hornets and Wizards, who have been rumored to uh, to talk to be talking to the Utah Jazz about Donovan Mitchell? You know, I go to a tweet Andy Bailey had, and he put picks, Quentin Grimes, and salary filler for Donovan Mitchell always felt way more realistic than R.J. Barrett anyway. And that could be true. R.J. Barrett did not have to be absolutely included in this deal but it has to revive the reality of the charlotte hornets being able to land donovan mitchell it definitely doesn't hurt the hornets chances now you still have to have the best package to go get donovan mitchell does that mean that the hornets and their three first round picks their couple of pick swaps and their best young asset that has already played in the nba being pj washington unless you want to argue mark williams whatever right that's not the debate i'm interested in do those types of young assets having already played along with the five picks is that better than grimes quickly salary filler and all of the eight picks at the expense of the New York Knicks that they can, you know, figure out what combination, you know, I still don't think that beats the New York Knicks offer, Doug. Yes, it only enhances the Hornets chances at getting it. It doesn't hurt. At the same time, you still are picking the Knicks um, what what they're offering more so than I think the Hornets or the Wizards who are also included. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. Um, don't ask producer Katie if that's uh, how we're married. Um, but, you know, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Sometimes you just wait around long enough. So maybe Charlotte Hornets, they wait around long enough and suddenly their package uh, looks a lot better. In comparison, because it's the only package. I'm trying to hold it together, Doug. I really am. I'm very much sometimes um, trying my best. Sometimes it doesn't. Look, it doesn't have to be the biggest package. No. Sometimes if there are no other packages, all of a sudden you've got the biggest package. Nothing to compare it to. So maybe the Wizards, they take their package away. The Knicks, they take their package away. All of a sudden the Hornets package (laughs) looking pretty good. What? I don't know if the Hornets what have happened? the only package here. That's well, my, they might. The, they just got to wait around long enough. If we want to compare the Donovan Mitchell trade rumors to Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, nobody wanted him as badly. The, the, the Nets weren't getting what they valued Kevin Durant at, and therefore they're just going to keep him, right? Now, a little bit different. That contract is still long for KD, and he's old. The difference is Donovan Mitchell is 25 years old and could be a part of a rebuilding team because we saw with the Thunder, SGA is an awesome player and they're still losing a ton of games. So Utah could still lose a lot while Donovan Mitchell is out there 
still filling up the box score, but they're still it's not going to help them win a ton of games given the lack of talent they have around them, especially losing Rudy Gobert and trading them for a whole bunch of picks. So Utah could do that. They are not in any kind of hurry to get this done, in my opinion. So if that's the case, then I don't know if waiting around long enough is going to be the thing that gets it done for the Hornets. Now, maybe the Knicks do want to go away. Maybe they're trying to get to the playoffs this year and they decide to make a couple of other moves. But but still, they're going to have enough left over to be in the sweepstakes and compete with the Hornets and the Wizards to go after Donovan Mitchell. And at that point, I just I still find it hard to believe that this thing is actually going to happen for Charlotte. I'm with you. I mean, I think the the probabilities are still pretty low that this gets done, but there's a glimmer of hope. And this is more than just like, see, this is what I've been telling people all along. If you hear these things about these conversations that the Utah Jazz, this is all Danny Ainge special, you know, oh, I got two mystery teams over here. And oh, we've been talking to the Hornets and Wiz. It's all it's all an effort to try to negotiate out in the public, which is where Danny Ainge loves to negotiate out in the public to the media. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's all this has been. And the Hornets really haven't been in that conversation. If the Hornets get a deal done, it's going to be all of a sudden. But it's going to be like this, where other deals that the Utah Jazz would be more interested in are going to suddenly fall away. And then at the if you're the Hornets, I think you have to, at that point, consider re-engaging. Sometimes, look, if the package isn't big enough, sometimes you have to stuff the package, right? I mean, you have to make it, so you throw in some stuff, you stuff it, you make it look a little bigger, and then suddenly you get the deal done. Yeah. I think the Hornets might need to go find some stuffing for that package to try to figure out. Maybe a little Kai Jones stuffing. Maybe a little James Booknight stuffing. I mean, throw some young players in there that maybe you wouldn't have been as willing to give up when you didn't feel like there's a chance but all of a sudden, hey, you're the only person on the dance floor. and You look like a great deal. And, you know, you move forward. Bringing individual players into that conversation felt wrong. I, I wish we could have still spoke with some generic Why? value there. <laughs> no reason. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We spin the random wheel of topics. I have no clue what we're going to talk about. I try to tease it, but I can't because I'm going to leave that to the wheel. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now, all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Okay, there you see on the screen, if you are watching Locked on Hornets on YouTube, we have the Wheel of Random Hornets content divided into what I believe, as I'm trying to count, are eight separate, seven separate topics that we can discuss. They are lineups, in case you missed it, NBA draft. Thank you for killing the very loud noise. Hornets myths, in case you missed it, summer league, in case you missed it, free agency, who wore it best and the win-loss column where we give you hard-hitting analysis on the schedule ahead for the Charlotte Hornets and whether we think they're going to win or lose those games. This is what we prepped for, trying to figure out the jingles. 
let's get it started, Doug. Spin that. Well, wheel. you know, I'm trying to prep the jingles, but also we've just got too much content. We've we've assembled all of these different segments <laughs> over the summer, just trying to keep the train rolling, trying to keep keep your uh, appetite filled, you know, keep you satiated with Hornets content. And now we've just got too much. Package. We've got, you know, who are best. We've got to keep that train rolling. We've got to keep the win-losses rolling. And, and, and you and I have spent too much time at the beginning of the show debating which one of these to go to. So instead, we created this wheel. We said, let's leave it to the, the Hornets gods out there to decide what we will talk about next. And now we've stalled long enough. Let's spin it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <right>. On vacation. <laughs> oh, <we're> de- <laughs> One that we've gone to quite a bit. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we left it up. All right. Who wore it best? We left it up to chance, and it landed on who wore it best. The uh, Walker, while I get it pulled spoken. up, uh, okay, so I'll, I'll exp- what that is. All right. Yeah. I'll explain the rules while you try to get out of the random wheel of topics and pull up all of the jerseys and the numbers of who wore it best in Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats land. So here are the rules. If you wore that number during your time with the Hornets or the Bobcats, then you are a candidate for who wore it best. For instance, Arnoldus Kuboka, he wore number 98. Number 98 had only been worn by Arnoldus, so he wore it best. But then you get to some of these other more complicated numbers where nine, ten guys have worn it, and then you have to really try to decide. But it can only be during their time in that jersey. So some guys like Kenny Gaddison, they've switched their jersey number from 44 to 33. You can't take the entire career of Kenny Gaddison and apply it to one of those numbers. You have to divide it. This is the time you wore 33. This is the time you wore 44 and judge him based off of that specific amount of time. So I will leave the floor for you, Doug. You tell everybody all of the players that we've gone down so far <laughs> and what number we're at now. I know every time we recap this, I got to take a big deep breath. Yep. I might swallow, I might swallow some hornets here. <gasps> yeah. Number 98 is going to Arnaldus Kulbaka. Number 55, we gave it to Chris Douglas Roberts. Number 54 went to Nails, Lee Nalon. Number 52, the Geiger counter, Matt Geiger. Number 50, Ameka Okafor. Number 45, the Hammer, Armin Gilliam. Number 44 went to Derek Coleman. That one went to a vote. Number 43 went to the great Anthony Tolliver in his one brilliant season as a Charlotte Bobcat. It was brilliant. It was. Number 42 goes to P.J. Brown, the defensive stalwart. Number 41 goes to the great Glenn Rice. Number 40, of course, Cody Zeller, the sock man. Number 39, Tommy T. <laughs> you remember the Cody Zeller sock. He always used to do the sock puppet. The I sock forgot man. about the sock puppet. I remember the gnome. I still have the Cody Zeller gnome. Stupid gnats. Yeah, are you doing this outside? Jeez. Yeah, I know. It feels like it. All right. Number 39 goes to Tommy T with the with the frosted tips. Tom Tolbert. Number 35, Gerald World Class Glass. Number 34 going to J.R. Reed. Number 33, of course, the great Alonzo Morning. Number 32, we gave it to... Boris uh, Diaw. Boris yeah. Diaw. Yeah, it this feels close. a little dirty, but we gave it to Boris Diaw. I had to think about it, which I think says everything yep. I need to know. All right, did yep. we get to 31? Yes, we gave we 31 did. to Rambo. Kurt Rambis got number 31. And number 30, okay. I, I think that's this, this is where we land. And uh, yeah. I think this one's going to be pretty easy. Yeah, you know, poor Joe Wolf, I believe a Tar Heel. <laughs> Troy Daniels. Hey. Troy Daniels! Yeah. Troy Daniels has a better 
I'm going to say something. Maybe yeah, controversial. I know. I, I was thinking it, but go ahead. And go has ahead a better moment. I mean, the win, the miracle after midnight beating Sacramento with that humongous three after midnight in the middle of the night in Sacramento when they were down to Frank Kaminsky as both center and power forward. It felt like they were only putting four guys <laughs> out of the floor. Him. DeMarcus Cousins had like 70 points. And Troy Daniels beats the Sacramento Kings on a on a wonderful three, so he has the better moment. Uh, I but feel I do feel yeah. weird saying that just because I don't know if I remember all of the Del Curry moments. I remember sure. all of the Troy Daniels moments. I, I mean, Del Curry had game winners. I just don't. I well, remember certainly. a couple of the buzzer beaters. So, but it was a it was an awesome moment. Miracle after midnight. Yeah, I mean, but I. Yeah, and and maybe Dale Curry had some more probably substantial playoff performances, right? So if you mm-hmm. look if we look back in the record books, I'm sure that's not true. Uh, but to people of, <laughs> of our age, it feels. But don't true, do that. Just enough. take our word for it. It's really easy. Don't look at the record books. Number thirty goes to DC four three Dale we Curry. Sh- we should click on his reference page before we move on. Okay. We should. Uh, Just Wardell, you, you of course knew this because Steph mm-hmm. is also uh, Wardell. Wardell, mm-hmm. Stephen Curry went to Virginia, has a, has a couple of boys in the league, started his career out in Utah. I don't know if you knew that, 86, yeah, that, 87. Yeah, a little bit of a weird staff for him to have started in Utah. I think most people remember him playing in Cleveland before the Hornets landed him in the expansion draft. I would say the best Charlotte ambassador. As far as whoever played on the team, Del Curry has to be that guy because he was um, also a part of the team and now the color analyst, even after his playing career. One of the players that embraced his time, so did Muggsy Bogues, but Del Curry still being so much so in the Hornets conscious. I think he is the best ambassador, plus has some hardware, won six man of the year award. So it was constantly um, somebody that could help you out off of the bench along with what was a decent team. So yeah, like Del Curry, don't get it twisted just from his commentating days. Like dude could definitely ball. Had his best, I think, statistical season in the 93-94 year. That was the year after the Boston Celtics uh, first round victory. That was a disappointing year for the Charlotte Hornets. They didn't go back to the playoffs because they had big injuries to Zoe and to LJ. And so a lot of different people got more opportunity that season because those two were gone. So, you know, his he, he his best season scoring-wise probably that season. Um, but he started the most, this is interesting, he started the most games in 95, 96. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about that particular roster to, to speculate as to why he got 29 starts that season. Uh, but there you go. Ran some yeah. random DC for three stats. Crazy three point shooting percentages he put up. Led the league with 47.6% from three on three and a half attempts per game. One of those years. Yeah. I mean, clearly we know where Steph got it from and then was even able to expand off of that. Number 27, winner by default, 2009, Dwayne Jones of the Charlotte Bobcats. Dwayne has Clinton to be Jones. the most surprising name on this list. Out of St. Joe's. I honestly don't recall. I could I can't tell you that I recall anything about the Dwayne Jones's career. All right, had a year in the NBA which is probably longer than I remember. 56 games in 07-08 with Cleveland. So he played with LeBron and actually got run. I that's crazy. Yeah, well, okay. how many minutes per game here? Uh 8.4. So yeah, a little little run. So so because Dwayne Jones played 6 games for the Hornets in War 27, he is qualified to have worn it best with the Charlotte Hornets. An unbelievable upset. 
Okay, we move on to number 25. I think people are automatically going to go to Big Al on this one. He wore number 25 for the Bobcats and the Hornets from 2014 to 2016. But here are the other names. Earl Curtin from 89 to 91. Tony Bennett, Virginia coach. And I think a lot of people remember Tony Bennett in a Hornets uniform, 93 to 95. George Zedek. I love some Zedek from 96 to 97. <laughs> Tim James in 2001. Uh, some Some late... Hornets run there. And then uh, PJ Washington, little little baby owl, 2020 to 2022, presently donning the 25. Yeah, the real interesting conversation happens about five, six, seven years from now if he's still on the team. Then yeah, you that's might a have big a if, by the way. It is. Absolutely, it's a big if. But that's how this gets interesting. PJ has the only shot to beat Al Jefferson in the who wore it best conversation. You get an all NBA appearance unbelievable season that Al had his first year with the Bobcats the most productive free agent signing this franchise has ever had Gordon Hayward the biggest had a little more cachet as a star Gordon Hayward playing with the Celtics having already been an all-star himself before plus just signing for more money yet still Al Jefferson getting an all-NBA nod incredible year the first time around with the Bobcats uh you know I can't envision pj washington's game rising to the level of third team all nba no but i would say that i did not expect al jefferson's game to get there i mean i I thought it was a good pickup uh you know at the time and and one of the better free agency pickups of in the franchise's history because they don't they didn't have many of them um but pj washington uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to get there. The other interesting thing about Al Jefferson is that there was some talk at the time about Kimball Walker doing a little bit of of uh, recruiting yeah, in terms of bringing Al Jefferson. And one wonders, as LaMelo Ball's cachet continues to rise in the league, uh, if he would be willing to do that and, you know, for the organization to go out there and say, hey, look, we're putting together something um, interesting um, would you like to come in and, and do this thing with me? You know, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but uh, <laughs> I sure would like it. I feel old seeing Al Jefferson's last year here be 2016 and it be four years before PJ. I feel like it did not. It does not seem that long ago. That's that's my contribution with the years. Um, it feel, I'll tell you, I felt every year they haven't made yeah, the playoffs. I felt every right single one of them. Uh, right, I think we have time for one more. Okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll go to number 24, Jeff Gordon, who wore it best here for the Hornets. <laughs> the Rainbow Warrior. <laughs> he wore it best. I was thinking it, and you said it. Yeah. He's my favorite NASCAR driver, by the way. Well, I bet people hated you here in Dale Earnhardt country. No way. Well, my, see, this was, you know, they say, you you know, you're you're destined to sort of reject your father. And I think that was part of that. My dad was like a big Dale Earnhardt fan. And I was like, no, I don't like Dale Earnhardt. I like Jeff Gordon. <laughs> Jeff Gordon <laughs> right. was like the anti- Dale Earnhardt. That yes, he absolutely was. Yeah, he he definitely was. Um, yeah, pretty good. It's going to be easy here. It's going to be easy. But go okay, ahead. Okay, let me run down before you say sure. that. Uh, you're leading. You're leading all of the witnesses here. Number twenty four, Michael Williams, nineteen ninety. Anthony Frederick, nineteen ninety two. Scott Burrell. Okay, Scotty Burrell at a moment here with the Hornets. Obviously. A lot of people remember him from The Last Dance being psychologically dismantled. <laughs> uh, but then in The Last Dance also profiled Scotty Burrell's you know, time with the Hornets uh, you know, when uh, they would rematch uh, with the Chicago That was Bulls. more B.J. Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't Scotty Burrell on that team too, though? 
I think uh, I mean 94, 97 it would have yeah. been no because that would have been 97 98 oh yeah maybe Scott I have it reversed then maybe Scott maybe Scott yes yeah, so, so Scotty left Scotty right. left Charlotte and went to Chicago okay. that's right we got that's how it happened just don't check Mom the Ashburn books. 2001 <laughs> to 2002 <laughs> now see you think this is easy probably because of this next name Jason Capono the great three-point marksman for the Charlotte Bobcats well if you're talking about a champion such as the one he won with the Miami Heat and a three-point champion so Jason Capono I thought would be pretty easy for him to have worn number 24 best yeah, Othella Harrington, 2007 and 08. And how about this one? Mason Plumley donning the 2-4 right now in 2022. So who you got, Walker? Is it going to be Mason Plumley, Jason Capono, mm-hmm. or Jamal Mashburn? We all know how you feel about Jamal Mashburn. You always underrate the Mash, one of the great offensive players in Charlotte Hornets history. So go ahead, give it, give it to Mason Plumley. I dare you. <laughs> I'm not. That is that is not something I'm about to do. I like Jamal Mashburn. I did not rate him as highly as you wanted me to on the top 30 Hornets of all time. I did find one of the more interesting stats on him, though, is that his two point field goal percentage was atrocious and his three point shooting percentage was the thing that allowed him to be such a good offensive player. That is not something I remember. But if you look, 43 percent and 98, 99 and since it was 40 percent, 36, 36, kind of hanging around and then 38 the year that he went to New Orleans. But the two point percentage, Doug, surprisingly staying below 50. Okay, but you have to understand that for that Hornets team and for the era, I mean, there was, it wasn't like a, a crazy scoring part of the NBA's history. A lot of low-scoring games. And the Hornets team, they were a defensive team. I mean, they were holding teams uh, regularly under 95 points, but they also weren't regularly scoring over 100 points. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a team that was making, you know, Paul Silas uh, was, was making his uh, money on the defensive end. So, you know, a little bit of scoring went a long way and MASH provided that. But this is what breaks my heart. And this is the last thing I have to say because it's I just need to go into a corner, into a dark corner and cry for a little while and get rid of these damn gnats. Uh, but this is what breaks my heart. 2002, 2003, the year after the Hornets left Charlotte, moved to, moved to New Orleans, MASH picks up his one and only all-star bid my one of my favorite players in hornets history i could have been celebrating his all-star shin that'll do it for locked on hornets thanks for joining us and making us your first listen we're free and available anywhere you get your pods now make sure you go check out locked on nba your daily 30 minute update on everything taking place within the association this has been locked on hornets have a great day we'll be back with you tomorrow (laughs) 